check check yo this is invest in podcast i am here with a film uh producer writer director and also a vocalist matt mudd how you doing man i'm fantastic how are you I am great, man, and uh, how, I, I know that you uh, just overcame uh, COVID, correct? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I was cleared on the 12th um, from quarantine, um, so just been uh, recovering from the tiredness left over. That's awesome, man. How, how, how was that, man? Because, I mean, you hear so many so many stories about that stuff, man. You never know, like what what is what it could be whether it's just a slight cough or deadly you know like how was it for you uh definitely somewhere between those um i uh it hit me pretty hard um with the fever and muscle aches i was bedridden for about a week um but no hospitalization or anything like that so um still relatively mild compared to a lot of people what a lot of people are going through right now yeah, for sure, man. Well, I'm I'm glad you're healthy now, man. I I'm, I'm sure you're ready to to get moving on something, huh? Yeah, we actually have a film project coming up uh, next weekend, so I'm glad I recovered in time. Yeah, you're working on uh, Never, correct? Is that if I'm right? That's a uh, adaptation of uh, Neverland or a Peter Pan story, whatever the Peter Pan story is. That is that correct? Yeah, it's a it's a dark retelling of Peter Pan. It's a horror thriller movie version, um, a short, but uh, it's about uh, Peter Pan's actually the angel of death, and he ushers children into the afterlife, protecting them from Hook, which is the demon that's trying to like harvest their souls and whatnot. And so, it's a uh, it's familiar, but definitely a different take on it. Yeah, it was it was interesting because um, I'm I I was reading um, the casting call. I, I yeah. seen the casting call and it was just the details about um the spin on it, you know. It was it was very interesting um to take. How how did you uh think of that? Uh it's actually been in development for a couple of years. Uh I was just kinda waiting for the right time uh to roll it out. But I uh um without going into too much detail, I lost my sister when I was six years old. Um and I was there when it happened and so death and mortality has kind of been a thing that ever since I was a young kid, unfortunately has been kind of on the back of my brain. And I've done a lot of thinking about uh, what happens after you die, especially when I was younger. And uh, I would create positive scenarios in my head to make me feel better. Um, And then one day, a few years ago, I was browsing Facebook and I just saw this uh, meme that somebody had made that was like, what if Peter Pan is the angel of death and he's ushering kids into the afterlife? And I was like, hey, that would be a really cool idea for a movie. So I kind of merged the two ideas and that's that, what came That's That's really interesting, man. Well, like, I, like sorry for your loss of your sister, man, first of all. Um, that yeah. That's that's pretty unique, uh, a unique way to, to think about it too, man, because most people, I know I, I, when I haven't lost anybody that close to me, but when when I do lose friends, like I, I sulk over it. I don't really, I, I don't know, man. I have a problem with with that kind of stuff. I don't think uh, like to put a positive spin on it, you know. So that's that's a pretty interesting take, man. Especially when when you uh, get impact, impacted that young, and you're and you're thinking about it for so long, you know. So uh, like, props to you, man, for for. Try, like thinking of the best way to overcome that situation, man. 
Yeah. Uh, I was, I mean, I've been in and out of therapy most of my life and I had a, my favorite therapist who actually ended up moving back East, unfortunately, um, told me, uh, the best way to get over a death like that is to find a way to have it, uh, bring out positives in your life. And, uh, so a lot of, a lot of the stories and screenplays I write and stuff are inspired by her or by, you know, what happened. And so, um, most actually all of my films in the credits, uh, I give a dedication to my sister at the end of each one, just because she's the major inspiration. That's awesome, man. So when you are, when you write these, these films that you do, is it, is it you by yourself or do you have a team? Uh, so as far as development goes, it's mostly me and my younger brother, Dylan. Um, he's an actor and a really good one at that. Um, but he helps me with the production side and the development of the stories and whatnot. Um, I write the screenplays, but we kind of come up with a lot of the ideas together. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of fun. We live together too. So we're always constantly talking about, Hey, we could make a film out of this or we could do this or this. And so that's kind of where they come from. Okay. That, and you guys, you guys actually like get to sit down and, and kind of write together. Cause what I, I've written, um, kind of like a short film script, but it, I mean, it was my first try and it was, it was trash, man. It's, it's hard to, to think about the concept of, uh, people having dialogue with each other and I'm just sitting there writing it. I was, I wrote it by myself. And I like, when I read it back today, it's kind of like, man, th- like this is, this conversation doesn't flow at all. Is that something like when you guys write together, do you guys kind of try to um, speak it out to each other as you write it along? Uh, not so much actually. So uh, our process is kind of, uh dylan helps me with the pre-write so we kind of create the world together so like we came up with you know like what does the never look like what does this world look like right and uh then i'll sit down and write the screenplay um but i'll workshop it with different writer friends or even non-writer friends um i'll read the lines out loud to make sure that like it feels like a normal conversation but that's um one of the hardest things about screenwriting honestly that i hear from a lot of people is the making the dialogue authentic. And that's something that I just learned how to do over the years. Also, I find that having been on several film sets, screenwriting becomes easier and easier the more you're familiar with how the process of making a movie works. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, because I, I watched um, the the series that you that you have on um, your YouTube. I, I believe it's, uh, uh, what's it called? um it's where the reject the reject men is it called that yeah reject men that's our comedy web series that's out yeah so so with that it seemed like the the dialogue it seemed like it it's smooth like it it transitioned smoothly but the dialogue between um the actors you know and it that's what i that's what stuck out to me the most when i when i did watch that you know and i i thought that was interesting because because I, I like to me just just attempting that first time i was like man like that that's what i need to do you know and and the actors that you used they they did a, a really good job um doing the the best that they can with a with um a low budget film, you know, or short, you know, because these, these, a lot of, um, these local projects that are put out there, I mean, they're all low budget, you know, and, and it seems like they, they, 
all do the best that they can with with what little you you have you know so um what what's that like for you having to work with <laughs> just a scarce amount of money nobody i mean half the time nobody's getting paid i would imagine um just because you're, you're like you're doing it out of passion and love and and you're not really moving on on money you know at this point in your career yeah so i'll, I'll start this response by saying i've only done one project that i paid people and um, all of the ones that I had volunteer cast and crew were a lot better. Um, the, so the thing about rejectment that's actually kind of interesting is we, we kind of did an experiment with that. Like we had a script that had the basic what happens in each scene, but most of those scenes and the lines were actually improv by the actors. Um, when we were auditioning for that, we we saw, uh, we asked them to do improv scenes to see how they could think on their feet. So a lot of the reason that that specific project seems, uh, so natural is because of that. Um, as far as working with no budget, you're absolutely right. Uh, most of the, most of the filmmakers I know in town are paying for these projects out of pocket. I know that I am. And, uh, you take as much donations of props and costumes and stuff that you can get. But for the most part, you know, the actors are finding their own costumes. We're having to go thrift shopping for props, stuff like that. And uh, it is a challenge, but at the same time, uh, you usually get people, if they're willing to volunteer their time like that, that are more passionate about it. Um, Cause they're not just there for the money. They're there because they want the experience or because they are trying to build a reel so they can have a career. And so uh, I found that a lot of times and nothing against paid actors or anything like that, but a lot of times the volunteer actors um, put a lot more into it uh, personally. And so that, that actually helps in that aspect, but the money can be prohibitive and it makes it hard to do a lot of really cool stuff that people want to do. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man, because I mean, the, you you really have to stretch what you have you know and and it is it is true that it seems like because the un the unpaid actors they they love they just love it so much man and they want to be there that that's the stuff that i like to to see and hear about you know like um a director i heard um uh copla he like i heard him once say like he doesn't he doesn't think about funding he doesn't think about any of that he just starts making the movie and as as um, the process moves along, like uh, everything else comes with it. And I thought that was just that was amazing to me. I mean, he he's one of the best of all time directors, you know, and, and to hear him say that it just makes it seem like anybody could do it as long as they put their passion and the love into it, you know. Yeah, uh, money is for me anyway. I can't speak for every filmmaker, but money is always a secondary issue. Um, I've never been the kind of person that's like, I don't have enough money for this, so I'm going to wait and make it. I always am the kind of person that's like, you know, uh, let's find a way to make it. Um, and that's part of the fun of it for me is coming up with uh, practical ways that you can put these ideas on screen without having to spend a lot of money. Um, and I mean, over the years, I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars, but for any given project, I can, I did a short last summer for... 3,500 and most of the, most of the money went to feeding the cast and crew. Um, we, we found a lot of, and it was a Western, a period piece. So we found a lot of ways to get donated costumes and props and make our own stuff and, and things like that. And it was a lot of fun. 
And so I actually like that side of it, having to uh, kind of go against the money and you spend the money when you have to. Um, I would say spending the money on getting quality gear is important to film it with, but the rest of it, it's about uh, the vision and the passion behind it for sure. Yeah, for sure. What, what kind of uh, camera do you use? Do do you, um, I don't, I, I'm not sure what, what counts as a quality camera nowadays. Cause I know back in the day, they used to have those big old bulky um, things they, they have on their shoulders, you know, and now um, you could, you could throw on a, a, just a handheld camera, throw it on a gimbal and it, it, it works, you know, what kind of camera are you using? So I don't fancy myself a, a camera person. I know how to run a camera and I will, if I can't find anyone, I usually try and get some of the really talented camera people in Boise on my crew. Um, that's the first step. And the, they'll have different things. A lot of people in Boise right now are using the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera. It's for, it shoots in 4K. And it's a step down from their uh, their bigger product, uh, the Ursa Mini, which I shot Pinewood on. Um, and that's more of a professional-grade camera. But the uh, the Pocket Camera gets almost the same images. depending on. It always also depends on what lenses you're using. Uh, how good your colorist is like to, to bring the image out. All of that is important, but I own just a little Panasonic Lumix uh, mirror, mirrorless camera. It also shoots in 4k. I have it rigged up to a Atomos monitor. So I'm getting pretty good quality footage out of basically a $1,200 system. Um, I do know there are a couple of filmmakers that have, you know, the big red cameras and the Ari Alexas like they use in Hollywood. Um, but I would say to anyone starting out, I wouldn't worry about trying to get something like that right away. Um, because if you are willing to do the research and ask other people that are doing it, you can put together a pretty good camera system just from, uh, you know, like midline or even lower end cameras, uh, the lenses and your attachments are definitely more important than the camera itself. But to answer your question, uh, it varies per project because usually the director of photography, camera person I bring on has their own gear. Um, and so we use what they have, but for our current project, we are using one of those pocket cinema cameras. Awesome. Man. Yeah. I, Cause I've, I've heard of people like using just like the iPhone and they made a whole like feature film off of that, man. And that, that just sounded interesting to me. Like, I mean, I've seen, I've seen the quality of an iPhone that's like, and it's pretty clear. So it's amazing to know that you can do that just off of iPhone alone, you know? Yeah. There was a Sundance winner a couple of years ago that shot on an iPhone. I think it was an iPhone uh, seven or eight. Um, and they had a rig that it was attached to, and then they had an app to, uh, to run everything through that Apple makes, but it, yeah, it turned out really good. And they, they got, you know, honorable mention at Sundance Film Festival so if you're creative enough and you you're willing to do the research you can pretty much shoot on anything honestly yeah, yeah. Uh, are you do you edit your own your own um, films as well or do you have an, an an editor um I do edit my own films uh it became a necessity editors in Boise are really difficult to find uh, for cheap. And that's how it should be because editing is a lot of work. Uh, but back when I first started out, I had an editor who uh, ended up selling a bunch of my footage online, not telling me about it, not cutting me in any of that kind of stuff. And I found out about it. And after that, I 
I decided I was going to teach myself how to edit because I didn't want to trust anyone else with my footage. But the uh, the more I get into it, the more I'm trying to like narrow down my jobs on set. So I'm trying to find good editors um, because I want to just do the writing, the directing, um, and producing. But uh, for now, yeah, I'm editing my own projects. I'm actually knee deep in like three projects right now. And with COVID going on, that's basically all I'm doing every day is just editing film. Yeah, for sure. How how is the the how is did you shoot all these projects before before the COVID hit? And uh, how is you um working on your new project? Never. How's how's that um working on that during all this COVID stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, everything else that I'm working on editing it was shot pre-COVID. Um. We, the only thing we shot during COVID was at the beginning of June, end of May, when things were still pretty kind of calm in Idaho. Um, and it was for a competition, but they did everything online. They screened them online. They turned everything online. So um, it was just me and my small crew. We had nine of us. Um, but uh, for this project, we're just not taking a lot of chances. We're going to be taking everybody's temperature on set. We're requiring masks for all crew and cast when they're not on camera and social distancing when they're not on camera. Um, and so we're just uh, adhering to all the guidelines. If someone's sick, we don't want them to come to set. Even if we have to reschedule a shoot or something, uh, it's not worth it to get everybody sick. But um, yeah, we're taking all the precautions that we can and trying to keep our locations as non-public as possible just to keep everybody safe. Yeah, smart, man um who who are you uh who do you look up to like as a as a director do you did, what got you into it like was it a specific director or film like what what got you into like doing this uh yeah as cliche as it sounds i'm a spielberg guy uh when i was growing up uh, my parents did amway um i don't know if you know what amway is a pyramid scheme thing uh yeah, it's so, the yeah. cards right it's it, it's those little cards right is it uh, they sold a bunch of different like health products and like beauty cosmetics and stuff. Oh. Uh, but it was definitely like one of those things where you got your friends to sell under you and whatnot. So my parents were at conventions all all the time in Spokane and Seattle, Portland when we were growing up. And so we stayed with my, my Nana and Papa and uh, they had a bomb movie collection. Um, but I would want to watch the same few things over and over again. It was Star Wars, Indiana Jones, E.T., Jurassic Park. Um, I just loved those films. The Goonies. Um, a lot of stuff that he either directed himself or had a hand in. Um, and so from a young age, I was always kind of a smartass. Just super over analytical. Um, I knew films weren't real. I knew that, like, I never had that suspension of disbelief. Even as a kid, I knew that there were actors. I knew that they were in costume. Um, but that's actually what kind of got me into it is I was like, if these people can do it, so can I. And so uh, that's what first got me thinking about it. But um, I did theater all through high school. I wanted to be an actor. And I actually am glad I got acting training before I directed because it makes directing a lot easier um, if you can get into the mind of an actor. Um, but when I was 21, I did my first uh, movie project as an actor, and I was on set, and I saw how this director, his name was Clint Jackson, uh, brought all these people together and formed his team, and I was like, I can do this. And so 
my brother and I, uh, back in 2009, were just sitting around at my parents' house, and I just said, you know, we should make a movie. And he's like, okay, sounds cool. So he went out and bought this little handheld camera from Walmart, and I wrote this 20-page uh, little slasher film that never saw the light of day and never got finished. <laughs> but, uh, we went out with some of my friends from high school theater, and we, we filmed this little slasher film, and I fell in love with the whole process. And on the set of that was when we decided to do my first feature, which is on YouTube right now. It's called Project 13. It was a zombie comedy. Um, we went and shot that. And from there, I was addicted. And I never looked back. Yeah. What, do you, like, look up to, to any actors? Like, why why did you get into acting? Me, personally, like, I, I've been really getting really into uh, Marlon Brando. I kept hearing his name popped up in, like, interviews from, from different actors saying, like, how he's the best actor of all time. So I, I was, like, looking into him. I've been watching his films nonstop. He... To, to me he's one of the most interesting people because it seemed like he he was at the top of of like the the world and he just like slowly declined like and the way you see him at the end of his life it's it's he's a really interesting guy you know like do you look up to any actors in particular uh so my favorite actor is harrison ford uh like i said growing up it was always star wars indiana jones mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um and uh, i always uh just liked how uh confident and sure of himself he was and he was all the characters he's played that i've seen uh or that i saw growing up i I wanted to be like that and so that's kind of what got me into into him but um yeah i was always kind of dressing up in different makeshift costumes and putting on plays with my neighborhood friends and stuff like that. So acting was always just something that naturally just came to me. Um, and I still love to act and I do every once in a while, but, uh, like our project last year, I played one of the lead roles in it. Uh, it's our vampire Western that I was talking about, but, uh, I, I do definitely prefer being on the directing, um, and producing side of things. I like, um, and it's not, you know, being in charge or anything i just kind of like that aspect of filmmaking of putting the team together and leading that team to creating this alternate world that it's just there's no better feeling than when i get to see one of my movies completed and see how happy the cast and crew is and all that stuff yeah for sure do you feel the same way when when you and you and your band what did you did you put that together or was that kind of like a a collective group of friends kind of agreeing like, hey, let's make a band. Uh, so, yeah, that's another thing I've done my entire life. I, I started playing bass guitar when I was 12 years old. Um, my dad is very musically inclined. Um, he's a bassist, pianist, and singer as well. Um, and so it's always, since we were kids, all three of us, me and my two brothers have always wanted to play music. And when I got into high school, uh, I got I formed some punk bands, did that whole thing. And I just always kind of kept up with it. This, uh, this most current one, we've been together for about five years. Um, my brother's the drummer, the same brother I live with and do film with. So we do everything together. Um, and then my friend Ryan from, uh, my college debate team actually is the guitar player. And, uh, we put the band together when we were still on the debate team. And, uh, it's a pretty good system because he writes all the music. I write all the lyrics. We bring it together, and 
that's kind of where it is. And the three of us have, we've had other mem- members filter in and out, but the three of us have been there since the beginning and we're kind of all that's left at the moment. But yeah, you guys sound good too, man. I, I watched your, your video, your music video on your YouTube channel. Um, what, how do you say the band name? I, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, know how to say it. Uh, it's Cadis. Um, okay. It's a Latin word that means sacrifice, but we got it. Uh, we're all Star Wars nerds, and it's a, a deep Star Wars reference from the extended universe. Uh, Han Solo's kid in that falls to the dark side and becomes Darth Cadis. And okay. that's kind of where we got the name from. That's cool, man. Yeah, you guys you guys are really good, man. I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed the music, man. You're a really talented singer. Do you guys get a lot of gigs up there in Boise? Uh, not lately, but, um, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of places to play out here. Um, the only downside is a lot of them are bars 21 and over. And a lot of the people who go to shows in Boise are younger kids, um, and high school kids and, you know, early twenties. And so, uh, Boise as a collective music scenes, kind of trying to figure out how to get more all ages shows going. Um, and that's kind of something, uh, I'm passionate about too. Um, yeah. We did last year. We or yeah, last year we did a show called Music for Mental Health, mm-hmm. uh, where we uh, we had bands play and it was a fundraiser. We had some guest speakers and we were just raising money for mental health awareness charities and stuff like that. So um, just trying to incorporate the the whole community is something a lot of musicians here are trying to do. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Or- do you do guys do all the recording at, at your house i imagine and and since i mean you have uh producer experience you you record at your house mix and master is that is that what you guys uh, do? as far as the audio stuff uh ryan our guitar player is the recording master of all that he has all the gear and he's been putting together this uh this album we're working on right now called still here um he's been working on putting that together himself so we go and record our parts and he's doing all the mixing and mastering out of his home and he's really really good dope man that's awesome bro yeah Yeah. um do do you guys have so you said you're working on an album do do you guys have any plans on on when you guys are going to drop it or anything uh we're going to try and finish it up by this fall um we're just now getting into the final stages finalization and all that stuff of everything um so basically we're at the point where we're laying down the final drum tracks to everything and then we're gonna build from there but uh uh yeah this album's pretty important to us uh, ryan and i both suffer from mental illness he's bipolar i have ptsd from you know what happened with my sister um and uh so the the whole album is actually a concept album about overcoming mental illness and thoughts of suicide and and all that. So all the songs kind of tell a story about that, um, leading up to the last song, which is called "I'm Still Here." Uh, and so we're hoping um, that when that does drop, it's going to be one of those things that helps other people out when they listen to it. Yeah, I think it, that's that's one of the most important things in music, man. Like, I mean, there's a lot of um feel good songs you know but like to put out those kind of songs that that people can relate to that make them i feel like those are the type of that's the type of music that makes them a fan because they feel like you can relate to them on a personal level and that's why that's that's i feel like that's what most musicians should be putting out you know 
just yeah. to get get to know like have people know that they're not alone you know for sure yeah. but um i i had a another question about um the film yeah. business in, in boise when you finish a film is there anywhere you guys you can screen it like there in boise like yeah. um like a besides besides the big theaters or is there anywhere else that you guys could kind of go to a local spot and kind of screen it yeah so uh, uh us local filmmakers we like to use the uh overland park cinemas over there on overland and cole and then there's uh, the northgate real theater which Hello. is on state street um they'll also screen uh local films when there's not a lot going on there's also the flicks uh, and uh, the one of the people who runs the flicks, also one of the people who runs the I-48 competition. So all of us kind of know her and them, and they're a, a wonderful theater. Uh, but yeah, we like to we like to screen at the local spots. Um, and then a lot of us uh, are trying to get our films out of Idaho. So festivals is a big goal for a lot of filmmakers here. Uh, we have one guy I'm going to name drop him because everybody in Boise knows him. His name's Cody Newton. And mm-hmm. he submits his short films to just festival after festival. And he's constantly posting about, uh, you know, awards they've won and, and stuff like that. So I'm kind of striving to be more like that and just send it out everywhere and just get a lot of people watching it. I think that's a, a really good way to do things. Yeah. That's a, that's a ton of money too, man. Just cause don't you yeah. have to submit, you have to submit um, a payment with that, with that um, submission. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's anywhere from thirty to one hundred and twenty dollars, depending on the festival. Yeah. Um, and so, for for short film festivals like that, though, it's usually a little bit cheaper. But yeah, it does it does add up for sure to submit. How, how do you build a fan? Like, how do you build a fan base? Um, like promotion wise and stuff. Because I know, I mean, you you're always gonna have your friends and family, you know, that you have on your social medias and stuff. But how do you branch out? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm still working on figuring that out. Um, but uh, a good example is actually, we already talked about Projectman. Um, it's getting a, a niche audience, uh, kind of figuring out what demographic to, to market to. Um, when we put that out, um, we were releasing episodes every week. Uh, we shot the whole thing, but then I re- uh, released an episode weekly. And we had fans, uh, people we didn't know from Ohio, Indiana, uh, New York City, Florida, that were constantly commenting or sending me emails being like, when's the next episode coming? When's the next episode coming? Um, and there were enough of them that we, we tried to make a season two and that kind of failed for a lot of reasons. But um, there were uh, fans of certain characters. They were like, we want to see more uh, Luther. We want to see more uh, Magneto, whatever. And so it was, it was kind of getting interesting to see uh, the comments coming back. So definitely putting your stuff online helps. Um, building a fan base locally is just about getting your name out there and showing your stuff as much as you can locally. And then uh, definitely the festivals is a good way to go because uh, then people all over the country are seeing your films. Um, I, I, I do submit to festivals and then I'll put it on, you know, like Amazon Prime or uh, Vimeo on demand um, for cheap and that's a good way to get it out there too because you can just uh, have everyone share the, the crap out of those links and get people watching <laughs> them that way 
yeah for sure man that that is awesome man like um i I really admire how how you uh you you put a lot on your shoulders man you're you're a writer producer uh director for films also a writer and a and a singer for for a band and a bass player yeah um what what do you what's your what are you striving for like what do you really want out of this that you're doing as a director or as a musician uh, I want to do both of them forever. Even if I never make money at either, I'm so passionate about music and film that it just has to be a part of my life. But uh, my ultimate dream is I want to make enough money making films and making music to live off of. I don't have this need to be famous. I don't need everybody to know who I am. If that happens, cool, whatever. I'm not like resisting it. But um, I just want to make a comfortable living doing the things I love doing. And so I'm constantly trying to learn and grow as an artist in both both formats. So that way um, I can put quality material out there and hopefully just retire doing what I love. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I, I really appreciate you doing this and, and taking the time to talk to me, man. Um, I wish the best for you and your journey. Do, do you want to plug anything? Like, do you, what, what's your next project that you're putting out? um next that you're working on um so yeah definitely the the two we've been talking about never um is my big project right now um we'll see how long that takes with covid and everything going on um and then our album for the band still here we're hoping that's gonna be released sometime this fall and so anyone listening uh just look out for those two things i also have another short film called the journey that's gonna be released here in the next week or two um so people can look for that on vimeo on demand uh if they want to see um a recent project i'll definitely check that out also is there can you uh kind of plug your your social media links to let people know where to find you just in case they want to see those things yeah so uh we have a, U- a youtube channel um it's just clear as mud films every uh all one word and each word's capitalized and then um, if you look up Matt Mud on YouTube, you can see some of the older stuff like Reject Men and Project 13 and whatnot. Um, and then Cadis has a band camp and a Reverb Nation. Um, and so you just search us through there. We also have a Facebook page if you want to follow uh, what kind of shows and stuff we're doing. We have a, a live stream show we're doing on August 11th that you can watch just from Facebook. Um, and that's at 8 p.m. on August 11th. And if you like Music Mondays 208 awesome, um, on Thank Facebook, you. you can get it through Can there. you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, my bad, man. You cut out for a second. <laughs> but, um, oh. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, man, for, for sitting down and, and talking to me for for this amount of time man i really appreciate it and um i wish you all the best brother thanks for having me on